So we're going to begin a new series uh, this week uh, where we're going to spend about 10 weeks going through the book of 1 Peter. And we're, the series is called Living a Better Story because First Peter, or Peter's first letter that he wrote is actually kind of about this sort of thing where, uh, you know, as Christians, how do we kind of maximize the Christian life. And, and so we're going to be uh, taking a look at that. So you can turn over to the book of First Peter. If you've got one of the Bibles from the back, it's page uh, 1014. Um, and so you can, you can turn over there. But um, Living, uh, Living Hope Church is a church uh, full of people I like because uh, I, I like food, and you guys tend to like food. Um, I, I love just, uh, like, like every time I get together with one of you, we end up talking about food. Maybe that's me. Maybe it has nothing to do with you. Um, but I, I love food so much. I can't tell you how much I love food. And, and, uh, like, like I know, like, it's, and it's kind of a love affair with food. Uh, it's not really a marriage. It's more of an affair because I know my wife should be vegetables, but man, there are other foods that look so much better. And, uh, and so I, I, uh, I just, I mean, I love food. So, so one of the things I love about, um, living here in California is my favorite restaurant, In-N-Out. I love In-N-Out so much. It is, it is the greatest thing in the world. And I, it's a religious experience every time I put one of those burgers in my mouth. I love it so much. Uh, you, and I love the secret menu. I love, uh, you know, I, I love everything about that place. I love the simplicity of the menu. I love, Jamie and I were eating there just the other day. And, uh, and, and she, you know, she orders, you know, like a single with no onions and and, uh, and I'm just like, that, uh, that, that's just a crime because those onions are so good. And, um, and then a single, why, why even bother with a single? And, uh, and so I'm, you know, I'm on a light day, it's a double and normally it's a three by three. I, I love in and out so much. Uh, the fries are just, I mean, they're, they're actual potatoes, which is awesome. Um, and I love, I love the shakes. The shakes are unbelievable. Like, uh, and I always, I've, I've started getting the Neapolitan shake. Did you know about the Neapolitan shake? Neapolitan shake. It is awesome. Order that thing. Cause it is great. It's all three flavors all in the same cup. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, um, and so I just, I just love in and out. It is, it is, it is tasty, tasty stuff. I'm, I'm trying to make your mouths water. Um, and and I, I oh, and and then and then another restaurant that I love here is in uh, in Berkeley. There's a pizza place called Zachary's. It's Chicago style deep dish pizza. It's better. I swear to you, it's better than anything in Chicago. It is the best pizza, deep dish style pizza you will ever put in your mouth. It is amazing. It is amazing. Now, one of the things I like about both of these restaurants is that In and Out. Uh, I mentioned just a second ago, their menu is just simplicity. I mean, you could fit it all on a three by five card. It is just, we do burgers, we do fries and we do shakes and that's all we do. Uh, and, and they, they have honed those three things down to just perfection, perfection. It's, it's awesome. Same thing with Zachary's Zachary's, you know, they're not trying to be all, you know, the pasta store, the calzone place or whatever else it's, we do pizza and that's all we do. If you want a little salad, we'll throw some grass in there for you, but we do pizza, right? And, and, and that's, and it's, it's, it's amazing. It's awesome. It's awesome. Unlike other restaurants where like, um, do you guys know how, like, you know, McDonald's is kind of like the, you know, stereotypical American food or whatever. And yeah, it's burgers and fries and shakes, but every once in a while McDonald's will get a wild hair, you know? And it's like, uh, Hey, let's offer McTacos or let's offer, you know, McSushi or, or what, you know, whatever else. (laughs) 
and, and they start bringing in foods that McDonald's has no business serving, and it never lasts. It, I mean, it, I mean, the only thing that McDonald's has served, you know, that has lasted, or, you know, different that they have served that has lasted over the years. I think when I was a kid, like elementary school, they started actually serving the chicken McNuggets, and those are the only things that have actually lasted. And that's because kids have no sense of taste, and they got to make them eat something. And and so. But, this, but McDonald's, they just go off on these wild ta- tangents. You never know what they might possibly might serve, and, 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 uh, and it never works. It never works. But those other restaurants that I mentioned just a second ago that I love, is they know how to keep the main... They know exactly who they are. They don't try to be somebody that they're not. They know exactly who they are, and they're going to stick to that, and they've made it absolute perfection. Absolute perfection. A lot of times in our own lives... Um, I think we kind of get confused about who we are. Um, I, I don't know about you. There was a lot of years that, uh, you know, when I was a young man, where I think I was trying to be somebody that I wasn't. Or maybe I'd confused myself for somebody that I wasn't. And it wasn't until a little bit later that I, I, I kind of decided, you know what, this, this is who I am. And once I struck on that idea of exactly who I was, that was a game changer for my life. Peter starts off this, this first letter, the letter we call First Peter. We're just going to read the first two verses today. In these first two verses, uh, there is, you know, Peter was a, like a, an ordinary guy. You know, the Apostle Paul, he wrote a lot of the stuff in the, in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul was like a scholar, a world traveler. Uh, he had so much experience, you know, in all you know, parts of the ancient world, you know, just traveling around and that sort of thing. He sat under the very best teachers. He was probably the foremost Jewish theologian of his day. And I mean, he was just, um, in terms of intellect, in terms of experience and education and everything else, the Apostle Paul. I mean, take a look at the book. If you ever read through the book of Romans, you'll, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Paul wrote the book of Romans. That thing is... Uh, it is honestly w- probably the greatest document that a human hand has ever written. I, I mean, you, you, that, that thing, you stand that, that document, the book of Romans, up against any of the writings of the great ph- philosophers. Uh, I don't care who you name. It stands toe-to-toe with any document that has ever been written in human history. It is genius. I mean, it is absolute genius the way that book was written. And Paul's and there, and there are parts of it you get into... That Paul gets so deep. I mean, you, you, you just little synapses start going. I mean, just it's just blowing your mind because you can't hardly keep up with his his line of thought. But it is an actual absolute genius document. You take Peter on the other hand. Peter, he was just a normal blue collar working guy, a fisherman by trade when Jesus found him. Young man, not a lot of education. You know, he probably had what we we would uh, you know equate to an elementary school education. Um, and, and yet Jesus sees him one day fishing, calls him away from that life and says, you know what? I I got, I I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. And Peter seeing Jesus call him uh, and just says, you know, just saying, follow me. Peter's what, what Peter's point of view on this whole experience was, was this, the greatest rabbi, the greatest teacher of our generation has just called me to follow him and be one of his students. Yeah, sign me up. Sign me up. And so he drops his nets. He begins to follow Jesus. 
And then over the next three years of Jesus' ministry, as Jesus is going around the country and he's speaking and he's teaching and he's doing miracles and everything, Peter's right there along for the ride. He's following every step. He is, he's learning as much as he can. And if you read through the, you know, the accounts of, of Peter in the Gospels, you'll, you'll see that Peter was, you know, kind of, he, he tended to be kind of the uh, alpha dog amongst the disciples. You know, the, I think he may have been a little older than some of the other disciples. They were all pretty young men. Uh, uh, but, but they tended to kind of follow him, but Peter was very, um, you know, impulsive and he would, he would just kind of do things, you know, Jesus is out, you know, you know, walking on the water. They think he's a ghost and everybody's scared. And, and then Peter realizes that Jesus is on the water and Jesus calls Peter out of the boat and Peter's like, okay. And he steps out of the boat onto the water. I was like, Jesus can do it. I can do it too. And then, and then for a split second, takes his eyes off of Jesus and gets scared by his surroundings. He loses kind of momentary loss of faith there. And, uh, and sinks, you know, sinks like a rock and, and, uh, and Jesus has to pull him up or whatever. But, but it's, I mean, it's very, very impulsive. You know, there's, there's an, another story where uh, when Jesus is arrested, um, you know, the, the soldiers come to arrest him to, you know, they're going to eventually take him to his death. And, uh, and Peter's not having any part of it. And Peter just picks up his sword and whacks a guy's ear off. And Jesus is like, <laughs> Stop. You know, what are you doing? And he, he like literally picks up the guy's ear and puts it back on, you know, that, you know, and, and then, and then, uh, you know, uh, right before Jesus was arrested, Jesus had said, you know, he looked at Peter and he said, you know, this night you're going to, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, no way. No, I would never, I'm, I'm in this for good, for real. There's no way I would ever, ever deny you ever. And then that night, you know, gets scared and denies Jesus three times. There's another time when they're sitting around and Jesus is doing some teaching and Peter is kind of misunderstanding what Jesus is teaching. And he's trying to be bold and he's trying to be, you know, he's trying to look good in front of his, his uh, teacher, Jesus. And he says something again, very impulsive. And Jesus actually looks him square in the face and says, get behind me, Satan. Like, like I've been in trouble with some of my teachers. I don't remember any of them ever calling me Satan. Um, and, and, you know, you theologically, you can look back at that and try to decide whether he was talking to Jesus or, or Peter or Satan in that moment or whatever. But, but again, just this very impulsive, you know, all the right intentions. But, you know, have you ever been around somebody that just, you know, whatever great thing pops in their mind, they just claim it. They're like, yeah, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to be this. And then you're like, okay, yeah, we'll see. Cause you change your mind every three minutes, you know, that, that type of person. And I think that was kind of a little bit early on. That was kind of the person that, that Peter was. And then we, we read the story last week of, of, you know, uh, when the Holy spirit comes on the day of Pentecost after Jesus has already ascended and, uh, and the Holy spirit now comes and, and dwells every, all the believers there. And Peter stands up and preaches this message. And it was through the power of the Holy Spirit in Peter's life that Peter had that moment that I just talked about just a second ago where Peter makes a decision exactly who he's going to be. And from that point forward, Peter's life had a very specific trajectory. And it was all about glorifying God. It was all about glorifying God. I want to read just the, the first two um, verses of, of, this, of this book that we're going to be in for a few weeks. First Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> this, is his, this is the introduction to the letter. That's all we're going to read this morning. It says this. Peter, <coughs> excuse me, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, 
Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. That's all we're going to read this morning, just those two verses. There is more, as much of a common man, uh, kind of everyday blue-collar man as Peter was, there is more theology packed into these two verses than, than maybe any other two verses in the entire Bible. I mean, there's so, there, it is, I could spend a few weeks just talking about what Peter kind of alludes to just in these two verses in terms of election and the Trinity and, and, and uh, atonement and all kinds of things that are wrapped into just these two little verses. I'm not going to do that, but, but what I want to point out to you this morning is that who he writes this letter to. This is Peter. He's one of Jesus' apostles. And he says this, he says, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. And the dispersion, uh, the Bible refers to a few times to this idea of the dispersion. And basically what that meant was uh, Jews who were scattered all around the world. They were dispersed all across the world. And Peter's letter is going out to many different cities uh, where, where there are uh, Jews and Christians living in those cities. And, 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 uh, and he says, to the elect exiles. Now, the, the idea, you know, if you're new to church, you may not know this, but the idea of election in, in Scripture, the theological idea of election is a very controversial, very, uh, uh, you know, kind of fraught with all kinds of uh, layers and stuff like that. And I, I don't want to get into all that, but, but this is basically what Peter is saying is this. If you want to boil it all down to one t- teeny tiny little neat little package, it's this. The people I'm writing this letter to, are people who have been chosen by God. Chosen by God. God had you in his mind from the beginning of time. God had you, Jesus Christ on the cross, had you in his mind when he died for you. You have been chosen, set apart, set aside by God. God picked you. He picked you. And the idea of exiles there in that passage, a lot of um, Bible scholars believe that Peter was actually writing to uh, predominantly people who had been kind of, um, who were kind of on the outcast, the, out, the fringes of society. They didn't have, there was no nobility to their name. There was no wealth maybe to their, you know, to their life or anything like that. They were literally people that were living in these cities that most of uh, the rest of the city would kind of look down upon. And, and potentially this is, was kind of Peter's strategy, evangelistic strategy. He would go into, into, into cities and, and seek out those who were, who were most um, kind of hopeless. And he would start with them. And so he, he calls them elect exiles, chosen people on the fringe. Chosen people on the fringe. This is what I know about um, human, the human condition, is that we have a tendency to define ourselves by our worst moments. We have a tendency as human beings to define ourselves by the worst moments in our life. And if you're not careful, um, you will lose sight of who you are <coughs> become confused about who you are and you will begin to define yourself as a dropout, a divorcee, a person who struggles maintaining relationships in their life, 
um, a thief, a felon, an addict, an abuser, was a, a, an adulterer. We tend to look back at those lowest, darkest moments of our life, and, and for a lot of us, we struggle to rise above those low moments. We struggle. You know, Peter ends that passage by, he says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. We struggle getting that sense of grace and peace multiplied and, and abounding in our lives because we never allow ourselves to rise above who we have falsely defined ourselves as. All I'm ever going to be is that worst moment. I'll never forgive myself. I'll never allow myself to rise above that. That's just simply who I am. And Peter, in this beautiful, these, these two beautiful verses, he does just a masterful job of reminding us, despite what, how you view yourself, despite whatever your lowest moment was, do not forget this. God chose you. He chose you. When we remind ourselves of that, it is game-changing and powerful in our lives. I don't know if you've ever watched somebody go through an adoption process. To me, there's, not, there's, there's few things in life more beautiful than that. Few things in life more beautiful. And when you see somebody that had no one be lovingly, passionately chosen by another person, taken in by that person. It's just, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Brandon Manning, one of my favorite authors, in his book, The Ragamuffin Gospel, he says this. Put, put that uh, phrase up there. It's in your bulletin, too. Let me read it to you. He says, My deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ, and I have done nothing to earn it or deserve it. He reaches this point in his life that, that I want to challenge all of us to reach in our lives where we no longer define ourselves by our faults. We no longer define ourselves by our social status. We no longer define ourselves by our looks. We no longer define ourselves by, by any of those negative voices that are crowding out God's Holy Spirit in our head. Instead, we simply define ourselves as God's. As God's. And that's the, that, that's the main point here. If you're going to fill in your, your little blanks this morning, that's the main point this morning is I want you to define yourself this morning as one radically loved by God. That's who you are. I want you to tell those, all that negative speak inside your head, I want you to tell them that that is not who you are. Who you are is one person radically loved by God. Radically loved by God. And this idea, if we can kind of get a hold of this idea for our lives, I'm telling you, well, first of all, I'm going to tell you this, it's not easy. Because those negative voices in our minds get loud sometimes. They get loud. But constantly remind yourself, who I am is not that mistake. Who I am is not who I was made fun of. Who I am is not whatever circumstances I didn't like about my life, who I am is who God chose for me to be. Who I am is who God chose for me to be. Get a hold of that idea in your life. And as we move forward in this series, get a hold of this idea that, um, that there is a full, powerful, um, Holy Spirit-filled, God-sized life that God has chosen you to be a part of. And stop limiting yourself 
with all, those neg- all that negativity and just embrace yourself for who you are, a person who's radically loved by the only most high God. That's awesome. That's awesome. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you so much for your word to us this morning. Just a couple of verses that, that have so much power in them. And um, God, for anybody in the room right now who is struggling to embrace that reality for themselves, who is uh, sitting here right now, continuing to define themselves with, by all of the negative voices that are, are telling them who they are in their head or the negative people around them that try to tear them down, or whatever the situation may be, God, let your Holy Spirit's voice just ring loud in their, in their hearts right now and remind them that they are yours, that you chose them, and that you love them. Beyond all else, recklessly, you love them. You love them. God, help us to identify ourselves and to see ourselves the way that you see us. God, we know that there's power in that if we're able to do that. There's freedom in that if we're able to do that. So God, deliver us from whatever chains of negativity that hold us right now and instead deliver us to the freedom that is just your love, the awareness of your love and your grace and your peace in our life. Deliver us. Right now, we're going to receive communion this morning. Communion is is another example, another reminder of of how loved we are by God, that Jesus would come, God out of heaven, step down out of heaven in human flesh, sacrificed himself for us so that we could live in relationship with him. And he says, whenever you take communion, remember my body that was broken for you and my blood that was spilled for you. Remember all of that. And so that's what we do this morning. So I want to invite you forward. I'm going to invite the elders to come forward too right now. Help me serve communion this morning. And, um, and I'm just going to invite you forward. Everybody stand up. You come forward. Take a, a cracker and a, and a cup. Take it back to your seat as we continue worshiping. And uh, remember Jesus' sacrifice for you. And remember who you are in him this morning.